Hello, my podcast family, and welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Today, we're going to tackle 1 Corinthians, and actually, we're going to only tackle the first part. There's so much in this chapter that I've broken it into three episodes. So we'll take first chunk today, second chunk tomorrow, and then the third chunk. So this time I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, you know, just to switch things up for you a little bit. And so we're going to start out in 1 Corinthians and I will read various verses, starting in chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Now, same chapter, verses 10 and 11. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there will be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Cleo's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Ouch. (laughs) Same chapter, verses 16 and 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are are that temple. Chapter 4, verses 15 and 17. Even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, do you, (laughs) you do not have many fathers. Sorry, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful to the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Verse 21 in chapter 4. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with the rod of discipline, or shall I come in love with a gentle spirit? Okay, that last verse was too funny, wasn't it? It's like I can hear my mother say, do you want me to whip you? Because that's basically what Paul is saying. And when my mother would ask me that, because I got spankings every now and then, in my head I'd be like, are you trying to play games with me? Of course I don't want a whooping. And so to answer Paul's question, I'd be like, "Uh, nah, I don't want you to come with the rod of discipline. I'd rather you come in the spirit of gentleness. But the fact that (laughs) he said that in scripture to me is just very funny. And I wonder what the response was from the Corinthians when this letter was read to them by Timothy. I wonder what did they think. Anyway, I think you can see a little bit of the difference in this letter structure than the others that we have studied. Once again, I think this letter is probably one of the earlier letters. Be interesting. As I find that out in seminary, I'll let you know. Um, Just because of the the tone of the letter and the way it's structured. Because he kind of gets right to the point. It's as if he can't wait you know, to get to what's going on. And so he foregoes all of the pleasant, 
uh, pleasantries and he doesn't lush over them like we've seen him do in um in other letters but then again i think he has a real fondness for this church because in the one verse you know he said that they need to imitate him because he was the one who was their spiritual father and so he has that connection with them then he states that you know this body of believers as you read um the entire um, book you'll see that he considers them their his crowning glory like they're the example of the work that he has done which I find odd because you're like the Corinthians <laughs> that this is this is your your crowning glory I just I just think it's odd and then don't you think it's a pretty bold statement for him to say you know to imitate him I used to think that but now you know as I matured in Christ I, I think I understand where Paul what Paul was saying so here I pose a question to you can someone imitate you or should someone imitate you in your walk with Christ I used to think please don't ask me because you know I'm human but if we're following Christ shouldn't others be able to imitate us because Paul is saying look to him because he's following Christ we're following Christ So people can look to us as we follow Christ as well, to imitate our devotion to Christ, to imitate our love for others through Christ, because we're not going to get everything right. But I think if we have a heart that's firmly secure and fixed on, on Christ, then we can be imitated. Like people can look to us as an example. And then I found it odd that he considers the Corinthians, you know, like the epitome of what his his missionary work is about, considering all of the issues that he has to address in this letter. He's still proud of this congregation, of this church, and he doesn't call them foolish as he did the believers in Galatia, but he does speak to their immaturity, you know, and I'm not sure which is worse, kind of the same thing. What do you think the purpose of this letter is? He actually states it in the second verse. I'll reread it. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be a holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. To me, he's calling them, he calls them sanctified for a reason. And that's because they're not acting like it. So he's, the first five chapters is him reminding them of who they are in Christ, that they have been set apart for Christ, sanctified to be set apart for Christ, that they're not individual members doing their own thing, but they're now one body united in Christ, that there is no division. He mentions that. He states that, you know, throughout his letter, he talks about them being unified, letting us know, you know, what the divisions are, as we will go through in, in, in the next episodes of what was occurring that caused the division in that body of believers. But he's telling them, you guys, through your acceptance of the, of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, you are now united in one body. You cannot act as you used to act. You have been called out 
But the very first thing that he addresses in the divisions that are going on is that they didn't understand, this is my opinion, of course, they didn't quite understand the roles of apostles because you have the division of, you know, Paul is admonishing them because they're aligning themselves up with the various apostles, him being one of them, um, under Peter, who he calls them, not Caiaphas, but Cephas and Apollos. And, you know, they were just merely co-laborers with Paul. But now they're saying, well, this is the person whom I follow. Now, I will tell you that when I was younger, like a little girl, and I remember people talking about Apollos, I thought they meant the Greek God. And so I was like, oh, oh, they're trying to go back and follow the Greek gods versus Jesus. Not understanding that it was one of the co-laborers, you know. It's just like you guys would say, well, I'm following Greta Bennett now. <laughs> no, I'm just a mere servant of God. That's it. <laughs> and so this is why, for me, it's so important for us to read our Bibles, for us to continue to grow. Um for for us to indulge in Bible study, our own Bible study, for us to have a Bible uh, study with other fellow believers where there's a person who has been called or anointed to teach the word of God, such as myself, and then being in a Bible-based church. All three are needed for us to grow. Trust me on this. I don't recall a pastor ever saying that it was Apollos the Greek God. I, it was just me kind of leaning to my own understanding for a little while. But as I continue to read the scriptures and align myself with good Bible teaching, you know, individuals, then, you know, I came to a different understanding. And you will too, because we're always growing. So Paul wants them to understand that being sanctified is means how they are to live and think. It's why he tells them that their bodies are temples to be used of God, to conduct themselves in a matter that is pleasing to God, that, re, that reflects their belief in him to the world, that they belong to Christ now. So that's what these first five chapters really deal with. And he goes more in depth and theological as he talks about Christ and the sanctification and the crucifixion of Christ, because he goes on to say, Apollos, Cephas, nor myself died for you. Christ is the one who died for you. So stop saying that you you are united under us. We're all united under Christ. And that's whom you should follow. So what can we learn from these um, first five chapters? One, I think um, we, what we learn is that we are to live our lives in such a manner that less mature Christians can follow. It's okay as we follow Christ. Now, that's not you tap people on the shoulder and be like, hey, follow me. But understanding that they're watching you anyway. They're watching you. They, they, they're watching you, how you handle certain situations, how you speak, how you talk, how you dress, all that kind of stuff. And that's not to put you on guard. It's just allow you to know that that's just what happens. And if you're living a life for Christ, which I know you are, then you're going to be a follower of Christ and people are going to emulate you. And it's okay. As long as you always remember that they're really not emulating you, they're emulating Christ and to give him the glory. Once again, Paul has situational awareness, and that's because Chloe, or Cleo, told him she's a little snitch, (laughs) right? (laughs) And I won't say a little snitch, but 
she actually, you know, kind of reported what was going on in the church. And that goes back to people are always watching us. They're watching the way we walk. And as a shepherd of your home, you know, your business, the person you're caring for, people are watching you. They're watching what you do. They, those around you that Christ has um, put in your charge to provide a spiritual connection, you know, they're watching you. And so you need to be able to, to, to continue to encourage them. And you can provide a spiritual correction or the rod, as we've now learned, when needed, right? But where else do you see the word rod of correction used or, or rod used? In Psalms 23, that rod of correction that comforts me, that's the little switch that the shepherds used back then to kind of tap the sheep on the backs or on the bottoms to keep them in line. Yeah, it's a switch is what it is. And sometimes we need to do that, but we do everything in love. And then speaking to the unity in Christ, you know, we are unified. Remember I told you we were in partnership. So there's unity in the body of Christ, but then there's also unity of the family. And there's also kind of unity in your mind. Remember, you're to walk in peace. And when you walk in peace, you usher in unity and stability. That's what you do. And that's what having peace does. When you have peace in your hearts, then you can have peace in your homes and understand that we're all connected. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. God didn't mean for us to be islands. He meant for us to help each other. He meant for us to comfort each other. So my dear, sweet, exhausted caregivers out there, I want you to accept the help that God sends you because he's sending you help. Recognize it and learn to lean on some of your close friends whom he's put there for you. He's placed them there so that they can help you carry the heavy load of caregiving. We are one body, united under Christ, to live lives that bring glory and honor to him. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for yet another episode where you get to tell us and share with us who you are and who we are in you. We thank you for loving us so much that you chose men and women to serve as our examples as to how to follow you, as to how to get a closer um, relationship and, or how to walk in accordance with your word. You've given us examples here in the Bible as well as the people who you've put in our lives, in the churches we attend, in the family that we have the neighbors, friends, you've given us examples. And we understand that you are using us as examples as well. Help us to remember that we are united, but that we're united under you and that there are no big eyes and little U's in your body. There's only you, the one true God. We love you and we thank you. We pray, Father, for our individual churches that the divisions that are in our churches right now, that we can come to the realization, just as Paul wrote in these letters, that we take it seriously to look at us so that we can get the division out of our church. Help us also get the division out of our homes, that we really start learning to walk in love 
and that we walk in peace and in joy and we walk in the fruit of the Spirit so that people can see your light shining brightly in us. Help us to be the peacemakers and help us to trust you in all that we do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, we will talk next episode about the second half or the third of the second third. Is that correct? I don't know. Of Corinthians. See you later. Go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye. Thank you.